0: Welcome to Bi-Size Dental Marketing. Today I have Kristen Ashley. Kristen's been with Ducket Lab for about four years and I love what you guys have done. I, I you know, uh, there's such a connection between, you know, your company and ours and and the the philosophies and how we approach clients. So, I know you've been at Ducket Lab for about four years now, Kristen. Tell me about your journey though, I, I, real estate before then and, and tell me a little bit about how you got there.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for having me on today, This is great. Um, so I previously, before coming to Ducket Lad, I kind I was a controller for a real estate development company. Um, kind of got my feet wet with the whole controller type um, vibe, you know, reviewing financials and cash flows and all that. I've been doing accounting type work for almost 20 years. So um, when I came to Ducket Lad, they had a real estate department as well, and so that's kind of what brought me here. Over the years, we shifted over to dental, and I decided that would that would be a good path for me too, and it's been great. I really enjoy working with um, practice owners and just trying to help them um, do the best that they can do and run their business the best they can.
0: Now, how much, What what was the mix between, you know, helping them on the business side and therapist? What's the <laughs> blend that you that you're
1: it's it. it pretty intermingled. Sometimes mm. I do feel like they're therapy sessions, but I love it. Sometimes people just need to say things out loud and they figure out answers to problems just by talking about it and sometimes I don't even have to say anything. They figure it out all on their own. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. The the one that we find most is just around staffing sometimes they feel like they're held hostage by their staff. Sometimes they, you know, it, it runs the gamut and that's where I tend to have the most therapy sessions around, you know, staffing and trying to hire someone and you know how much they get paid and what the benefits should be. And yeah. For I, sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Especially since, um, the pandemic, like staffing mm-hmm. has been a huge ordeal. Just so many people left the workforce and just finding, um, adequate staff to fill some roles has been really tough for a lot of practices over the last couple of years. And and the pay increases, you know, people want a lot more money for what they're doing. And a lot of practices have struggled with finding the appropriate amount to pay people to get them to stay.
0: Mm. It, I'm glad you brought up pay. <laughs> I, I'm i not an economist, so, you know, you excuse me, uh, I lack the the, you know, nomenclature, but I I believe that this is an inflationary period. Is that correct?
1: For sure. Prices are going up and so Mm -hmm. people want to be paid more money so they can afford groceries at the store.
0: Now, how does the inflationary period we're currently in impact how a dentist should look to wrap up 2023 and how would they better prepare themselves for 2024?
1: Well, I think that um, not only like paying staff what they want, I think providing a culture that staff want to be in um, and creating like the stickiness of people. You know, if people are happy with their job, they don't tend to care quite as much about the pay. I mean, everybody's motivated by pay no matter what. But if you have a best friend at the office, you're gonna be a lot more likely to stay there and feel comfortable there. So I think providing that sticky culture for your employees is important. And just checking overall expenses all the time. You know, it's just like in your personal life, it's so easy to sign up for these things that are like $10 a month um, and you get yourself into these reoccurring charges and you forget they're even there. And Mm. the same kind of things can happen for your practice. So just staying on top of what your expenses are and making sure that there's nothing out there that's not providing you a return on your investment.
0: Hmm. Now, how do you work with dentists doing that? Is is there a a meeting cadence or do you sort of leverage your portfolio of other dentists to say, you know, I think these are the outlier events? How do you bring those to light?
1: Yeah. So um, my clients um, usually sign up for a consulting type service. So I am reviewing their financials and staying on top of them on a monthly basis. And then I usually have a one hour call with those clients every month to look at those um, financials and um, KPIs to see how their business is doing. Are they spending too much on dental supplies? Um, or have labs really decreased because they bought a milling machine to control their lab costs. We look at all of those kind of things on a monthly basis. And the more you look at them, the more that you can control them.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, when you look back over the last, you know, six to eight months, what do you see as the most significant movers from KPI standpoint?
1: Oh gosh. Um,
0: We've talked about labor, I mean mean, I, Yeah, uh,
1: that's definitely a big one. And I feel like supplies have gone up for everyone. Ever since COVID, you know, you had to buy more supplies. You had to have PPE and stuff like that. And I feel like every since then, you know, the dollar that you're paying for these supplies has increased. So you have to account for that. I mean, like interest has gone up. So that's going to, of course, if you have loans, that's going to Um, cost you some more money, just all Mm. kinds of things like that. Um, And sometimes there are things we don't even think of, you know, if you have a loan, you don't necessarily, you you know what your interest is when you get that loan, but you don't necessarily stay on top of what it could be changing to as interest rates rise too.
0: I see. I see. How do you feel? I I hear a lot of dentists say, I'm going to pay a lot in taxes, so I'm going to go buy some equipment and other things. Uh, Talk me through the, the mentality of that. Sometimes it's like, I'm gonna go buy a car. it's like, man, why do you need a car? Like, it feels (laughs) like, walk me through that, that if you will.
1: Yeah, so the thing about taxes is it's different for everybody in every Mm -hmm. situation, you know? Um, I think the most important thing is know your situation before you get to the end of the year so you have time to make those decisions and think about if you should spend money on something. It's not bad to pay taxes. If you paid taxes, that means you made money. You had a profitable year. Um, so, And nobody wants to pay taxes. I get it. But don't buy a piece of equipment you don't need. Um, that just goes back to my previous statement. Everything you buy needs to provide ROI for you. You need to get something out of what you spend. You don't hire an employee, expect them not to do anything. It's the same way when you buy a piece of equipment. You should need it before you buy it. It it is a tactic. A lot of people do, do, though. Um, But I would say we don't typically recommend it unless there's something a practice already needs. And it's just good timing to go ahead and buy it in December versus February.
0: We have a client and I love him. He's dear to me. (laughs) But every year he comes to me and says, I'm going to prepay for all my marketing for next year. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you should do that. (laughs) And I'm like, by the way, you've done it every year now. So what are you really Accomplishing, and it's just kind of washing out. But yeah, uh, every year he's like, "I'm going to write you a big check," you know, in December. And I'm like, "Okay, I'll take it." Yeah,
1: I get it. I, my husband and I, um, well we have a farm and he pre-buys like fertilizer and seed and all that stuff before the end of the year. And I think it's just because he's done it for so long. Now he has to keep doing it. (laughs) You get in a cycle and if you stop, eventually you're going to have to pay those taxes.
0: I've heard of a book and I forget it. I'll have, I'll link it out in the notes, but it was, you know, we all make emotional decisions and then we use facts to justify our emotions. Yeah, And I think back on the big, changes in my life and i certainly have been making emotional decisions for for you know forever <laughs> now real we'll talk about what should dentist do to prepare for next year like, like like what in your mind what's the gold standard of planning for next year
1: know your numbers now like I think we work with so many practices and start working with so many practices that don't even know where they're at right now. You can't go forward unless you know where you're starting from. And so I think that that's super important. Just take a look at your numbers and figure out what you want to do, where you want to go. Do you want to increase your production by 10 percent? Um, and then take baby steps to get there, you know, jot down three ways that you can increase your production by 10%. You know, I'm going to really have my staff work on, um, recall or unscheduled treatment planning or anything like that. Just three little baby steps that you could do that could change that production. Um, just start thinking about what your goals should be and how you can accomplish those goals.
0: You know, it it is not a new trend, but it's certainly something that my clients have taken more advantage of uh, this year more than ever is they've looked at what they're referring out and then worked with the team to bring a specialist in house. And instead of referring out 100% of the treatment and, you know, not getting anything back, they're getting to keep 30 to 50% of the overall treatment. And I have some practices that are bringing in an oral surgeon. And, you know, the oral surgeon's having a $20,000 day and the dentist is getting $8,000 for not even coming into the office. And it's sure. such, such an easy way to boost your uh, uh, profitability as well.
1: For sure. For sure. Anything that you can do, any tiny changes that you can do that don't add a ton of extra expense, but really add on top of that collections and production are game changers. hmm
0: mm-hmm. Now, when you look at, you know, the numbers, now do you drive like, like, so I I like what you said, like jot down three ideas. Is that something you then work with the dentist on? So if they said, okay, I'm going to work, I'm going to work on hygiene recall, or I'm going to, you know, change how I do treatment presentation. How then do you integrate that into your meetings with them?
1: Sure. So, what I like to do is I have um, kind of a software that we use that tracks um, any kind of KPIs or um, indicators that clients want to start tracking. So if you want to know, you know, how many new patients you're bringing in or if you want to track your recall, all you have to do is give me some kind of information out of your dental software or we have programs that can link with some dental softwares to provide that information to me and I start tracking it. You can't get better if you don't see where you've come from and see where you're going. So you have to track those numbers and you have to have them in your face all the time looking at them. And then we, we talk about ways to increase them in our meetings and things that they can do um, to change that number.
0: Hmm. Now, what are the top three or five things that you think a dentist should be tracking monthly?
1: Um, collection percentage uh, is huge. Um, and it, it relates back to so many things. If you're not tracking how much of your collections you're bringing, how much of your production you're collecting, then you're not, you're not utilizing all of your resources. It tells you that in your dental software, um, and you're missing income. You know, all that AR is just stacking up and it's work that you've already done. You should collect the money for the work that you've done. Um, that's super important. And the more of that that you can get done before the end of the year, um, the better. It's, it's all income that you have produced. So you should collect it. Um, that is a big one uh, that I like to look at. And then, you know, we like to look at a lot of overhead items and, and track those expenses um, are you spending too much on employees and staffing? Um, are you overpaying for dental supplies? And just kind of diving into those um, key overhead items and what they're looking like every month.
0: Hmm. Now, uh, it's been a while since I've been into any form of accounting class. <laughs> Thank God I'm they you know I'm in charge of pictures and you know, videos, but. Uh, uh, in my understanding, there are healthy, there, there are things like rent which are fixed and they don't really change with the number of patients I see. And, and you know, so my percentage of rent is, is is it, the, the the value stays there but sure. obviously as my production goes up or my collections goes up, the, the percentage goes down. Now, there are things like lab fees and other things that I, I would expect to increase if I adjusted to a different type of procedures, if I were doing more implants, if I were doing more cosmetics, Uh, how do you determine what that should be for practice? Are you looking at the codes they're doing or the type of industry they're doing and how do you determine what those percentages should be in for the, for healthy practice?
1: Um, We kind of look at industry standards, Um, you know, for labs, they can be anywhere from like eight to 10% is a good Mm. industry standard. And I and we take into account, you know, does this office solely focus on doing a lot of high dollar procedures, crowns, bridges, implants, things like that? Are they naturally just going to have higher lab fees? And we look at those things and we set goals um, for those percentages with clients uh, on a yearly basis. So they have some input into what those goals are. We use the industry standards as kind of a guideline, but they are in control of what those numbers really are. And we're just helping them hone in on those numbers and get them where they want to be. Um, I think the industry standard is a good guide. If you want to have um, a great mix of services that you're providing, you always want to have a little bit of that general dentistry mixed in. I feel like it's a nice stable income um, and it keeps patients coming. You know, if you have people coming in for their hygiene checks, they're going to need billings. And so okay. it's just an immediate referral right to your other services. Nice.
0: Now, what is a perfect client to you?
1: Oh, gosh.
0: Because <laughs> for us, it's someone who's already shown some success because I, it's hard to market. I can't invent a story. I can only uh, tell a story. So there has to be something there um it's someone who has a fairly stable staff because i i think that shows some uh behavioral you know stability if you will to to be able to keep staff year over year and things like that and i think they have to understand at least be open to understanding the value of marketing and i think i can yeah. work with everybody else you know so for us like when we think of an ideal client it's they don't have to be a $4 million shop or a $1 million shop but they they had to be, there has to be some, you know, something there to tell a story about. What's, what's your version of that? What's the clients you're like, I'm so excited to talk to them.
1: I, I want the clients that want more. I want, I want them to have this drive. Um, They want to figure out what's going wrong and do better um, they're interested in the meetings and there's lots of conversation going on. It's not just me spewing out numbers. I, I don't want to do that either. I mean, I like accounting, but I don't want to just talk about numbers for an hour. Um, I, I think that the clients that are super engaged and maybe do have a couple issues or things they want to do better. Those are the fun ones because those are the ones that I can dive in and help and help. Um, provide advice and guidance on what they can do to get better.
0: That's so well said, because I like like that answer. So they need to be fun and engaging. Yeah. Have some issues that they know about to work through. All right. I I like it. I like it. I like it.
1: And they got to be open too, because sometimes I may tell them things they don't want to hear. So.
0: (laughs) For sure. No, I think, I think that's the, I read, I heard a saying one time and I'm going to, I do not know who to attribute it to and I I will get it wrong, but it was basically like the measure of a person, the measure of a person is how much truth they can take. Yeah. And I think about that as we're talking to clients sometimes and we will now and again, get a client who, you know, is in an office that needs to be cleaned up or like, like, you know, something maybe not ideal. And they're like, I only want to do full, you know, high end cosmetic cases. And I'm like, I-, I think we need to have a conversation and, and, you know, you need to invest some money in your, in your practice before yeah. I can, before I can do that. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think about that a lot. And I'm sure for you, you're having much harder conversations around the money and because and, you're getting into how much they take home personally and things like that, you
1: know? Yeah. Yeah, or I'm telling them, hey, you're spending way too much on staff. Is there a person there that maybe isn't cut out for this? You know, Um, who's the weakest link? And people, and if people are closer to their staff, they sometimes don't want to hear that. It's tough news. But like I said, it all goes back to what is providing you a Mm -hmm. return on your investment.
0: Now, Kristen, do you have a stance on spouses in the office, working in the office? I don't.
1: I, I don't You're really neutral. have a stance. I, I feel like it totally is about the relationship between mm-hmm. spouses and that's I've worked for a lot of people that are spouses and in the office with spouses and kind of who's my boss do it? Is it this one or this one And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it is tough. And I, I feel like you as a practice owner, if your spouse is in the office with you and you're working together, you're going to have to give a little bit of grace to your employees because that's a tough position for them to be in. It too.
0: is tough. Um, mm-hmm.
1: But I think that some people can make it work and some people can do great at it. And I'm, I'm not opposed to it at all. I never thought I could work with my husband, but you know, COVID happened and here we are sharing an office at home some days and we're figuring it out (laughs) and we haven't killed each other yet.
0: (laughs) No, very well said. I, I think you're right. It's the balance, but I I do, it does create some complexity for the staff because I think there's two bosses.
1: There is. And you just, you feel like you kind of have to walk on eggshells sometimes and that's, that can be uncomfortable. So I think just being really open with your staff um, from the forefront about that when there's two spouses or when there's spouses is is the most important thing.
0: Well, Christian, what's the best way to get in touch with you if there's some young Thundercat dentist out there that wants to make his practice amazing or her practice amazing? How oh.
1: Um, check out our website. Um, there's a form on there that you can fill out and um, it comes straight to our sales department and they'll, they'll reach out to you and get an appointment set up and just kind of go from there and see what your needs are. We have several different levels of services that we provide. Um, we have a CFO level service. If you want to look at the big picture items out there. Um, the controller level service is kind of what I do and meet with clients on a monthly basis, like I said. And, um, then we have just a bookkeeping package also. Um, if you're not quite there with the controller level and you just need to see your books first, um, we have that option as well.
0: Well, cause thank you so much for your time. I, I've very much enjoyed our conversation and uh, I, I think the world of of alls firm and you do such great work and, and I'm sure honored to have you guys on the as, uh, as a guest.
1: Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed this um, connection we have made with each other. It's kind of awesome that we're trying to do the same thing for the same kind of people. I love that.
0: Yeah, I love working with Dennis. Uh, <laughs> some are cha- more challenging than others, but by and large, I think of Brown, where I came from in my life. I and I know that private equity is moving in and I know consolidation is happening. And I, I think that I'm my mission around helping private practitioners become more successful in the challenging spaces is, is something that uh, resonates with me. And yeah, I like that, you know, I like that there's resources like yourself out there that they can have, you know, a, a, a true professional who understands the 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 finance side and and How to set them up for success. I I think that's such a value. And uh, I think they need to build a team around them of real professionals. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my hat's off to all the work you do. Thanks, Chris. Thank you.